Hi, this is Indy. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm going to talk about violence and the silence that surrounds it in America. Americans don't seem to understand, but people talking about violence eventually do it. I've seen this happen in Sri Lanka. I've seen this happen to my dog. And now it's happening to you. Let me just talk to you about my dead dog, Merck. He was a bit of a murderer. He was a big dog. He was a good dog to humans. He was quite homicidal towards other dogs. He actually killed a dog once. Now, we had Merck and his son, Latte, together. Now, these guys kind of got along, but you could always see it coming. Their hackles would go up, their tail would go up, they'd growl, and then they'd be in a fight. And this telegraphing of violence is something that has been in our ancestors for millions, if not billions, of years. We're social creatures, and we communicate violence before we do it. And I think Americans are laboring under the assumption that they're somehow immune not only to history, but to prehistory. And it's just not true. And all the signs and all the communications of violence are there right now. As I wrote, the telegraphing of violence is nothing new. It's been this way for millions of years. Dogs growl, rattlesnakes rattle. What makes you think America's far white is any less serious? Look around you, listen. Hear the howling noise from your TV set. Blood is on the wind. So I think what's happening to America now is sort of a process of trying to reconcile how they think they're supposed to be with where they actually are. And it's sort of a process of disbelief. They can't believe that they'd be mishandling a pandemic so badly. They can't believe that their democracy would be so weak and collapsing. They can't believe that things would be this bad. But it doesn't change the fact that they are. So as an outside perspective, I'm just telling you this is where you are. You know, it's like running into a, I was chasing another dog around and I ran into a wall and I really hurt my toe. But if I hadn't, and I didn't like the pain, but if I hadn't felt that pain, I would have just rammed into the wall even harder and I would have broken the toe. Actually, I think I did break the toe. Thanks, Whiskey. But that's what I'm trying to communicate to you. I'm trying to communicate to you pain. I don't know what you do with that information, but I'm telling you, you need to feel the pain and you need to back up. So this is where you are. American society has already collapsed. Over 300,000 preventable deaths, accelerating to over 2,000 a day. And these aren't numbers, these are people. I said, look at them. And when I say look at them, check out the Faces of COVID project on Twitter. It shows you the faces of these people who are dying and it is just heartbreaking. These are fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, family members. These are just people that other people care about. And it's easy to say, oh, it's numbers or it's people who are over this age. But I mean, come on. Like some of the most important people in my life are older. They're older than 65. So we have people in our family who are older than 90. And the idea that their lives are expendable is horrifying. And look into your own life. I don't, I don't think this is true. Now, the word I'm trying to highlight here is collapse. And the reason I use the word collapse is if 300,000 people blow out of your society in a matter of months and you don't call that collapse, then what does the word even mean? And if you're not calling a collapse, then I think you're not living in a society. The second point is that America's government is in the middle of a stupid coup. So your president and many of the Republicans are attacking legitimate election results and the idea of elections in general. Now, I lived through a coup in Sri Lanka, which I wrote about, and they attacked parliament. But even we have never attacked our elections. I once heard a political scientist say, what's the bare minimum of a democracy? And the bare minimum is just elections where you get to choose the people that like fuck you for the next four years. And like, that's what Americans are attacking. This is, this is the, these are the crown jewels and you're getting kicked in them repeatedly. 
So this is a hell of a problem. And of course, Americans won't call it a coup because a coup can't happen to America. Collapse can't happen to America. But I'm telling you, it is. Feel the pain, feel the shame, and then back the fuck up. As I wrote in that article, a stupid coup is still a coup. So you can comfort yourself saying, oh, it's not this, it's not that. But then what is it? Like, what do words even mean? It's not like a magic spell we're casting here. You don't like look in the mirror and say coup three times and coup man comes out. If you don't use these words, does the reality go away? So what I'm telling Americans is put down the bat salts of your mythology and look around. You're lost, you're screaming, and you're covered in blood. And this is what leads me to my point about violence. So these are all sort of the preconditions for violence. When people start questioning elections, they start questioning the legitimate transfer of power, then guess what happens next? You get the illegitimate transfer of power. Elections are essentially a sort of stopgap we put to control the fighting between us. We say, okay, every four years we're going to fight, we're going to do it on TV, we're going to have rallies but without guns, and then we're going to accept the loser and we're going to accept the winner. And that's what keeps the lid on violence. So Americans have taken that lid off and the violence is already bubbling up. People have already been shot in the streets. There's already Proud Boys marching, attacking churches. This is already happening to you. And you're just not believing what's in front of your eyes. There's also this idea that violence can't happen to America, which is, I guess, yeah, because violence is America. America is the most violent place in the world. It just it now happening to you. For a long time, that violence has been inflicted upon people in your prison population, or people at your borders, or the over 10 million strong permanent underclass of human beings that you call illegal, who are also coincidentally during the pandemic essential workers, the ones who pick your food, the ones who clean your elders' bedpans, the ones who take care of you, that you've made an underclass who are open to violence. And then of course there's the violence of poverty, and the idea that, oh, you need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and everyone else can get a boot in the neck. As C.L.R. James said, myth-making conceals another virulent poison for the myth-makers. It insists that they see themselves always as the givers, and Africans as the takers, themselves as the teachers, and Africans as the taught. What C.L.R. James is saying here is that empires like this can't learn from their subjects, and that's sort of the subject of Priyamvada Gopal's book. She talks about how democracy, freedom, wasn't something England and the West gave to us. It's something that we also gave to them. It was a discourse, it was a fight, it was a communication. What happened here changed the metropole there. And I think Americans, because you're on the empire for so long, you don't, you haven't looked down and now you're on the ground. So you have to learn, you have to look at other experiences and you have to start by looking at where the fuck you are. So what I'm telling you is where you are is where I've been before. It's where millions of people have been before. So let me tell you the Sri Lankan story. Sri Lanka had a long history of violence and then with a sort of orgy of violence, we stopped it in uh, 2008. And at that point, you know, all the checkpoints went away, the fear of terrorism went away, and we were basically chilling. But the signs of future violence were actually there for a long time in hindsight. And they're actually far less clear than the signs of violence in America now. So the first sign was violent speech. There was a preacher called Zaran Hashim who was preaching hateful violence. And the Muslim community said, hey, we're having a problem with this guy. They told the authorities, they collected documents, they kept following up, they kept following up, and the authorities didn't do anything. And this was, of course, very tragic because it's the Muslims who got beat in the end, and it's the Muslims who first warned us. So that's the first sign. Generally, if people are talking about violence, what's the next step? It's like my dog. Like if the tail goes up, if the hackles goes up, if they start growling, that thing is going to bite. 
The next sign is weapons. So in Sri Lanka, some Buddhist statues were desecrated around candy. And investigating that, they followed up with someone named Muhammad Razak Tazlim. He was the private secretary to an MP. And his investigations helped uncover a cache of weapons, I think over 100 kilograms of explosives. We found these weapons. So what do you think they were going to do with them? They were going to use them. But we still ignore that. And again, it was a Muslim person who helped find this out. And for his troubles, those terrorists, I'll use the word and explain why it's a problematic word later, but those terrorists attacked him and he's paralyzed now. And of course, he gets no fucking support. Then the next step is violence. So Taslim was shot in the head, lying next to his wife and child, but it didn't end there. We should have known from the time they started talking about violence. We should have known from the time we saw the weapons, and we should have known from the time they acted violently, but we still didn't do shit. And people told us to, and that's on us. At each stage, our terrorists told us what they were doing, as your terrorists are telling you now. And now I'll say why I'm reluctant to use that word terrorist, because terrorist is a racist term of power. If a white person does something, oh, they're mentally ill. But if a brown person, like God forbid, does anything, we're fucking terrorists. So it's a stupid word. I think maybe let's just call them assholes, violent assholes. They're everywhere. I mean, your arms dealers, your people in suits and ties. Those guys also cause more terror than, you know, poor brown people with claymores. Obama, like the great leader, still killed a lot of people who were pretty fucking terrified as they went. My point here is that we ignore the violent words, the violent weapons, and even the goddamn violence until it blew up beyond all imagination. On Easter Sunday, after numerous intelligence warnings, including the day before, on the day of, suicide bombers walked into multiple hotels and churches and killed 269 of us, including a lot of children playing, people just going to church, families at brunch. Like my wife and child were at church, I had to pull them out. The church that we usually go to was actually right in between two other bombs. It was scary as shit. Then the sad thing, especially given the history I told you of the Muslim community warning and resisting and trying to help, the sad thing is politicians and just general racists use this attack to attack Muslims. They attacked Muslim homes, they attacked Muslim businesses, they burnt them down. That was actually when we had the curfews that prepared us for COVID. And they just went on a fucking rampage, ignoring the fact that the Muslim community was complaining about this. And this was a failure of our political leadership. But my point from the American perspective is stop looking at Sri Lanka like, hey, it's oh, some third world shithole that can't happen to us. Like, come on. Third world just meant the places that were stuck in between the fucking Soviets and the Americans. We're the people who didn't try to blow up the world in nuclear war. You should aspire to be like the third world. You should learn from the third world. What I'm telling you is, what happened here was the same shit that happens with my dog. People telegraphed violence, they started showing us their weapons, and then they showed us the violence, and then it blew the fuck up. And that's what's happening to America right now. It's a very clear message, much more clear than even in Sri Lanka. So Sri Lanka and America are very different places, but violent assholes seem the same all over the world. They yell that they're going to get violent, and they do it. And this is a lesson humans seem incapable of learning. But as Oprah said... When people show you who they are, believe them. Here's Oprah talking to Maya Angelou about it. Take a look at this, one of my favorite life lessons. The other most important lesson, well, it's hard for me to number them, but let's say one of the most important lessons I ever learned from you, and I still am, you know, I think I know the lesson, and then I'll walk into a situation and think that's that same lesson, and that is when people show you who they are, believe them. Yes. Absolutely. A person says to you, I'm selfish, or 
I mean or I am unkind. Or I'm crazy. Or I'm cra Believe them. They know themselves much better than you do. Mm -hmm. But no, more often than not, those of us who don't trust life say, don't say a thing like that. Mm -hmm. You're not really crazy. You're not really unkind. You're not really mean. <laughs> and as soon as you say that, the person, pow! So right now, your violent assholes are telling you who they are. Believe them. Your far white is carrying guns and saying they want to execute the governor. Believe them. They've killed people in Wisconsin and people have raised money for the killers. He's doing promos for fucking coffee ads. Believe them. Trump supporters published this ad in the Washington Times. It reads, without a fair vote, we fear with good reason the threat of a shooting civil war is imminent. We will also have no other choice but to take matters into our own hands and defend our rights on our own. So what the fuck does that mean? They're just calling for insurrection. You have attorney generals and lieutenant governors from states saying, hey, why don't we form a different union? They have political cover. This is a mainstream political position. This is on Fox News, the lost cause, the stolen election. Where did this lead in Germany? Where do you think it leads for you? Why are you exceptional? If anything, Americans are just exceptionally dumb. And you don't need to take my word for it. Disregard my experience and that of millions of other people. All I'm saying is just believe the angry white people right in front of you. When they talk about violence, when they show their guns, when they shoot people or run them over, believe them. You don't need to believe me, just believe what's in front of your eyes. I've lived through violence, my dog lived through violence, and our ape ancestors millions of years ago lived through violence. It's the same thing. People yell, they show their weapons, and then they hit you. A dog growls, it bares its teeth, and then it bites. America's not somehow immune to this because you pissed on the moon 60 years ago. This is life on Earth. So my final message is just wake up, look around you. You Americans are quibbling over words and you're living in the past while events are unfolding right in front of you. Violence is coming to America, I'm very sorry to say. It's just a matter of time. Plain and simple, that's how it goes. That was the thinking right from the fold. Abuse not your power and will. Thou shalt not commit us all into sin. Your words mean nothing at all. How can they when you speak such a farce? Your presence now makes a blood boil. The sight of your face makes children cry.